CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. As we start off this brand new week, I want to encourage you to give us a call. And many times we'll have a question somebody's asked us. We come across something in the Bible we don't understand. Hey, this is your day. So that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. You can be part of the program today. You know, it's so important to have a biblical worldview of everything that's going on. And with so many different voices out there and a completely dishonest American media, you know, it's really hard to really know and navigate through these times. So we want to encourage you to really read your Bible. That's going to be the best thing. And again, if you got a question, we're here for you. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can call right now. we got some lines open, and you're sure to get on the program today. Joining me today, special guest from St. Louis, Festus, Missouri, Scott Parker. Hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. It's great to be with you here on Monday, starting off another week answering questions. And it's always the highlight of my week to be with you here to do that. So how being the pastor of Calvary Chapel there in Festus, Missouri, uh, at a Calvary Chapel, um, how's uh, how's it going there with um, people's hunger for end-time prophecy? Oh, my. So, you know, at our church right now, Mike, we're going through the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. And um, actually, you know, here lately, I took a little break and actually did some teachings on the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles, things like that relating to end times. Um, and then right now on Wednesday nights, I'm going through the book of Daniel. So we're in the prophetic part of Daniel there in chapter eight now is what we're getting into. So uh, people are loving it. They're they're learning uh, but you know, Mike, it's very interesting because, uh, people are really wanting to know, um, you, you know, and, and trying to, in, to make sense of what, go, what's going on in the world right now. And really the only way to make sense of it is to look in what the Bible has to say about the future. It tells us where we're at now. And that's a, such a big help and a big comfort to people, especially for those who are believers and have their lives, their lives right with the Lord. Uh, it's, it's nothing but hope and things get better for us. But of course, for those who are not right with the Lord and those who haven't put their faith in Jesus, uh, it's a strong warning. And so, uh, there's a lot of interest in it. And in fact, on Wednesday nights, we've been having people, um, coming to our church for the Daniel studies that, that go to other churches, um, because either their churches aren't teaching on prophecy, uh, and they want to go to a Bible study. And so, We've been kind of seeing that trend on Wednesdays, especially uh, our Sunday service has been growing more new people coming because they want to hear the teaching. Uh, but it's real interesting to see other people from other churches coming on Wednesday because, you know, Mike, as you know, there's not a lot of churches anymore teaching the Bible, number one, and let alone teaching things like Revelation and Daniel. So, yeah, it's, and, it's and what's tragic, see. what's tragic is when you have the cults teaching on end times. And and though there'll be a couple of elements of truth in what they teach, everything else they're teaching is so skewed. Well, we're already in the tribulation period, or the mark of the beast is worshiping on Sunday. Right. And they mix this in with, with a few truths. And um, 
obviously, even people that aren't believers know there's something globally wrong with our world. We're rushing mm-hmm. towards something. They don't know what it is. I believe the Christian churches know, or at least should know, but because of the idea of nickels and noses and the thought of offending somebody and, well, you know, we have the preterists in our church that believe revelation happened in 70 AD. So we don't want to offend them. So we don't, we just, we just teach a rosy Jesus, you know, easy believism. And that way we can, we can keep the nickels and noses coming in so that uh, we can pay for our edifice, our building that we built. And, uh, This is where I think so much of the problem is. I think so many people got over their head in ministers and organizations, got over their head in, in debt. And now they're running a margin call every, every Sunday because of, of, you know, COVID or whatever it might be that has come up. And, and so now we, we can't say anything to offend anyone. We don't even want to talk about sin anymore because, you know, after all, you know, Jesus died on the cross for sins. So we don't even mention it. We don't even talk about repentance or anything like that. Just slip Jesus in your pocket and climb to the top. Well, that's dangerous, dangerous stuff because the Bible warns in the last days they're going to heap teachers unto themselves having itching ears. Well, what does an itching ear want? To be scratched. And a scratched ear means... No guilt, no condemnation, no conviction, no nothing. Well, the Bible says there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But I do believe a church that's alive in the Spirit, there will be conviction from the Holy Spirit. Now, the difference between conviction and condemnation is simple. Condemnation drives me away from the cross, drives me away from the Lord. Conviction brings me to the cross. To the Lord. You say, well, what, how's, how's that work? A condemnation. Look what you did last Friday night. You're a bum. You're a scoundrel. You knew better. But instead of doing that, no, I, I, you shouldn't even go back to church. People like you don't belong anywhere. You should just go kill yourself. That's condemnation. Conviction is, you know, you knew better than that. You know, God loves you, has got a better plan for you. And the more time you spend on the wrong time of the fence, the less time you have in being where God wants you to be. So come home. I believe, again, that voice of the Holy Spirit is so important. And the devil knows how to mimic oftentimes things to make us think God doesn't love us anymore. And that, friends, is a lie from the pit. Well, let's go to the phones again. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. And uh, we're going to go to John in Savannah, Georgia. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, how may we help? Well, I just saw the uh, movie uh, After Death last week, and it was put out by the same production company that uh, filmed the Chosen series. And I thought it was rather interesting because they had doctors who had done research uh, describing all of their research on how your conscience, your personality uh, will not die even though your body dies. And then they also had um, some uh, testimonies by people who had had near-death experiences and what had occurred afterwards. It was a really fascinating movie. I mean, you were just on the edge of your seat the whole time, and 
I don't know if you've seen the movie After Death yet or not, but I wanted to weigh in and see what you might think about uh, those kind of subjects. Well, I have not seen the movie, but the Bible does talk about afterlife experiences or after-death experiences, however you want to look at it. We remember the uh, rich man in Lazarus talks about them, gives us a, a really in-depth uh, thing of what, what happened there. We do know that uh, there's a couple people in, uh, in the Bible that were dead for a short period of time and then came back to life. Of course, back in the first Kings, you have Elijah with a little boy. It says his spirit returned to him. You have Jarius's daughter in the New Testament, and uh, uh, he went in and put the, everybody out that was laughing at him and said, uh, uh, daughter, arise. And we remember uh, she came back to life. The Bible says her spirit returned to her. So the idea of soul sleep is really bogus uh, because it very clearly there says her spirit returned to her. So if it's soul sleep, your soul is asleep in your body there in the grave, uh, then Old Testament or New Testament really, uh, really debunks that uh, false teaching uh, found in so many of the cults. And so you want to you want to take note of that. But we remember Jesus healed a, a widow, a widow woman's son who had been dead and and on the way to bury him. He, he healed, uh, healed, um, uh, brought him back to life. We remember in the New Testament uh, Tabitha had died, and and uh, she w- was risen from the dead by the apostles. So we do know it's real. Now, here is the big problem with many of the after-death experiences. We have no way of absolutely verifying what they're saying. Oh, I died, and there I was up there in heaven with all my drunk party buddies, and we were skipping over the daisies, and oh, it was great, and we went down in this valley, and we had a kegger in the back of my old truck, and oh, it was glorious. See, that is where the problems come from. You can't verify it from Scripture, and much of what these people say, many of them, is completely completely a lie. Uh, The Bible says, that those that die outside of faith go to a place called Sheol, awaiting the great white throne judgment at the end of all time. Now, why is that? Well, because when we sin, when we live our lives apart from God, and even though we die, the things that we put into motion while we were here on this earth continue to mislead people, or in some cases, bless people. Certainly, we look at the letters that Paul wrote years ago that still encouraged the church today. But we also look at people who started a cult. They may be dead for a hundred years, but yet now their followers reach into the millions of people because of a lie uh, that the that uh, you know the founders made up. So the 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 big danger, and there's always been books written about after death experiences. Uh, and, and, uh, we just have to be real careful whenever we see that. Now, uh, again, a person who dies outside of faith, um, they go to this place. It's, um, a place of torment. The rich man went there. They are awaiting the great white throne judgment in which all their deeds have come to full fruition and they'll be judged according to what they've done. If they're not found written in the book of life, 
The Bible says that they'll be cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. The book of Jude says they'll be tormented day and night forever. So another um, key teaching of the cults is that hell is not eternal. It's uh, annihilation. It doesn't really exist. Hell is a beautiful place. Uh, All these different uh, ideas that come, I believe, out of the pit of hell. Uh, the Bible very clearly says that everybody exists forever somewhere. Now, the good news is, if you're found in Christ, you spend your eternity with him in heaven. You're rewarded for your faithfulness here on this earth. And the Bible says we will rule and reign with him and enjoy the new Jerusalem forever and ever. And oh, friends, don't miss heaven for the world. It's not worth it. Your thoughts. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And, and, um, John, in that movie, I haven't seen the movie either, but in that movie, did they focus more on just the death experience of the person or did the people, did the people give testimony to like what they saw, like when they came back to earth and or came back alive? I mean, did they say they saw this and they saw that and all this kind of stuff? And their relationship with Christ, I think right. is so important too. Yeah. Right. Uh, in this particular movie, they did make a very distinction that those who did not believe, they went into darkness. And uh, there were a few testimonies by people who supposedly didn't completely die and then came back. But uh, they uh, they were saying that they had gone into a dark place and that it was horrible. And they wanted to, uh, to change their life after they got back. And uh, it, it also, uh, you know, it says clearly in Scripture that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in this movie, all of those people that had faith in Jesus, they went immediately into the presence of God. And, and I thought that that was probably one of the good parts of that movie. Yeah. Well, the re- it, the, yeah, the reason well, I'm asking that, John, is because so many people hmm. have written books about how they died, they went to heaven, and then in those books, when they write details about what they saw, so much of it is unbiblical and and totally not in the Bible. And so our theology for what we believe about the afterlife, about heaven and hell, should come from what the Bible says, because, you know, Jesus is the authority of, on that because he came from heaven. Uh, Paul went to heaven, you know, he went to paradise um, and then came back to earth. Um, and he couldn't even speak about the things that he experienced there. So it's always suspect when people start telling you they went to heaven or hell, here's the things they saw and all of this. And when those things are contrary to what scripture says, then the onus is, as Mike said earlier, the onus is upon the person to prove somehow that what they saw was real and legitimate. You know what I'm saying? So that's where you have to be careful. Now, I will also say this, and Mike, you could chime in on this a little bit. That movie is also put out by Angel Studios. And if I'm not mistaken, Angel Studios, I believe, is Mormon ran. It's it's Mormon funded, and I believe Mormon ran because I believe it's Angel Studios that also puts out The Chosen, uh, by the way. And, you know, with that, I would be I would just be careful uh, of any movie that's being put out by the Mormons or something that's Mormon funded or uh, like that, because it can be deceptive. But, you know, I do know this. I do know that years ago, um, you know, doctors were saying 
that they believed that the soul and spirit of a person actually had physical weight because what they would do is they would they would weigh the bodies of people who were dead um, or, or, you know, right before they died. And then after they died, they would weigh them and they would say that the spirit and the soul of a person, the immaterial part of a person weighs this much. Because after they died, they were this, they weighed this much less. And it's interesting. That's what was being said years ago. And so what's interesting about that is whether there could be a lot of physical reasons why, um, you know, people are, are, have less weight after they die. I mean, the air has gone out of their bodies, a lot of things there, uh, a lot of bodily fluids leaving the body, things like that. So again, you have to be careful and, you know, especially, you know, when they try to get real scientific about, you know, what happens to the to the immaterial part of us after we die? Uh, because people have been wrong before. And again, it's up to the people to somehow verify their experiences, which they can't do. Um, and then also on top of that, um, I think we need to be careful, too, uh, with who's making these type of movies. So, Mike. Yeah. And <clears throat> the other part of it, again, going back to God's word, which is the really the the bottom line. Uh, when we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we look at verses 2 through 4, mm-hmm. Paul uh, says, I know a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out, I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. Now, this is like an a- uh, you know after-death experience. And I know uh, uh, how the, this man, whether the, in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. God knows was caught up into heaven and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not pers- permitted to speak. Now, in in just here, we find Paul saying that, you know, really, uh, and when we read, it would be a crime for him to try to explain what he saw, what he heard. And yet we find in these movies, these people who really... Uh, many of them, I don't know how well they knew the Lord or not. But they go into great detail. Yet here Paul, caught up in the third heaven, beheld God in his glory, said it was a crime for him to speak what he saw. And yet these guys write entire books on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that creates a little bit of a problem for me. Um, uh, you know, so again, the, the, the burden of proof always comes back that people say things, you know, oh, well, you know, I was up there and, uh, heaven is nothing but Corvettes. It's just uh, just acres and acres of Corvettes. Well, you know, I mean, that's what you say, but can you prove it? No. Or it's nothing but but little golden puppies. Everywhere is just golden puppies. Uh, can you prove it? No. Uh, these are the problems that we run into. Now, again, Paul said it'd be a crime for him to try to describe it. Yet these people make movies and books and make millions off of it. Something to consider. Hope that helps, John. Yeah, I have to believe what the Lord tells us. And two good examples of that would be Jesus said that he can lay his life down and he can also pick it back up. And then another example is one that you gave of when he when he raised the the poor woman's son back to life, you know. And and then uh, when he spoke with Martha at uh, the tomb of Lazarus, he said, do you believe that I am the, the way, the truth, and the life? And do you believe in this? And she said, yes, I do. And, of course, uh, Lazarus came back as the Lord brought yeah. him back. Yeah. And and uh, so, you know, li- like I say, do I believe it happens? Mm-hmm. Well, it happened to me. 
I uh, flatlined heart attack. I had a COVID clot in the heart. Uh, got what called the widow maker. Uh, the whole entire left side of my heart was shut down. I was dead for two minutes. And um, I remember the nurse looking in my face. She says, do you know where you are? And I thought that was an interesting question when she asked that to me, because when she first asked, I had to think about it in a minute. Where exactly am I? Um, now, I didn't see anything. I know uh, uh, Daryl Skinner, who's been on a program with me normally on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, he's uh, had the same experience with heart issues. And. Uh, he said he saw golden lights. He said, he said, man, I saw a bright light. And so uh, do people have that? I believe they do. Uh, I've heard stories about a um, couple of men in white garments. They're there at the door. Um, well, this is kind of what happened to, to Lazarus. The Bible says when Lazarus died, the angels came and got him. When the rich man died, he was buried. Isn't that interesting? One, as rich as they are, dies like a pauper. And one who loves God is escorted into paradise. And so when we look at this, I think when we look at the Bible, I think we can get a pretty good idea. One thing we know for sure, uh, I have not seen nor ear heard what is recorded for those that love him but he has revealed them unto us through his word. Now, I want to be careful in not adding to God's word or taking away from God's word. And I really can't argue with somebody else's experience. I mean, I, uh, uh, you know, if you've been dead, you come back to life, you, you know, you saw something. But to say that is truth, that is where the problem goes. And when Paul is admonishing Timothy in the Bible, he says, teach the word. Well, what else would you teach? A lot of junk. And unfortunately, people will teach things that cannot be proven in the Bible as authentic as God's word, or they'll mix some truths from God's word into a lot of lies, making the lie their lives more believable. And so this is where I think a lot of the dangers come from, because you begin then to interject into your Christian idealism, non-reason, religious experience to base your faith on. Now, what I mean by non-reason, religious experience, non-reason, there's no way you can prove what these people are saying but boy, I believe it because that happened to Sally Joe. And man, Sally Joe says that, man, that, that happened. And you know, uh, you know, she said up in heaven, she was riding around on a dog, you know, uh, you know, I mean, these kind of stuff, this is out there. Now, I'm not saying this movie is wrong. Please don't misunderstand me, but I'm saying it could be. But the other danger of it, oftentimes, whenever we begin to build other sources for biblical truth is if this movie is not wacky, let's just say, then the next movie that comes out from some other studio or from some other group could be and mislead people. I think any time we turn to another source other than God's Word, and that's why the, the commission 
to Timothy, a young minister from Paul, an older minister saying, teach the word. I believe that's why we need to be about our father's business. I hope that helps, John. You know, my favorite part of the Bible is the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise when he placed his faith in the Lord. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things about that uh, is uh, it's never too late. So uh, I think that's that's some great news and great hope. I think sometimes for many loved ones who have had their family members die, uh, you know, without, you know, them actually hearing a profession of faith to their children or whatever, but they could have made that profession of faith uh, to the Lord there somewhere along the line in their life, hearing that Jesus would forgive their sins. And then after accepting Christ, uh, the Lord then takes them home. So uh, I tell people, uh, don't live your life in a question mark. Today, the Bible says, is the appointed day of salvation. Hope that helps. And um, uh, John, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank God you bless so much, you. Thanks. God bless you. And if you need us, we're here for you. Let's go to Dave, Montana. Hi, welcome. Hey, so um, uh, a fundraising question brought this question to my mind about wine and how, like, Paul in the New Testament, you know, don't don't drink or have a little bit for your stomach. But then in the Old Testament, there's a lot of verses dedicated to, you know, wine production and vineyards. And so I'm just trying to reconcile that. Well, if you go to Proverbs 20, the Bible says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and anyone that's deceived by it is not wise. The Bible also says wine is for those who are dying. It does kill the pain. Many times they didn't have morphine and all the stuff today that— the uh, conveniences that we have with uh, shot medication and stuff like this. Um, But the Bible tells us in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, be not drunk with wine, we're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are the best for us. And being sloshed, um, you can really damage your testimony you can cause other kinds of problems as well. Now, very clearly, Paul writing to Timothy says, ministers are not to drink, period. uh, Bishops, those people can have a little. But um, we're going to talk more about this. This is an important topic for everyone. And so we'll have more coming up right after these things. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. 
So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that uh, close encounter of the best kind in her womb, she will choose life. Preborn Network of Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Parker, I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and when we went to the break, we were speaking with Dave about wine, winemaking, what's the Bible really say on it? Is there a contradiction between the Old Testament and the New, or what the Bible says all the way through the Bible about being altered? What does it say about that? Scott, your thoughts? Yes, and you know, this question is very interesting because it comes up a lot, you know, with being a pastor, people ask this question uh, quite a bit, and Dave, here's here's... I'll give you the short answer, and I'll give you some scriptures to back this up. Okay, does the Bible say that a Christian cannot drink alcoholic drinks, wine and so forth, beer, whatever? No, the Bible doesn't say you cannot. In fact, Jesus said it's not what goes into a man's mouth defiles him because what go, whatever goes into him is eliminated out of the body. It's what comes from the heart that defiles a man. That's what Jesus said. But here's the thing. When you look in the Bible, as Pastor Mike showed you there in Proverbs chapter 20, you can also read Proverbs 23, Proverbs 31. All those scriptures in the Old Testament that deal with drinking tell us this. It's not wise to drink because drinking inhibits your ability to think correctly and to think straight. Now, though the Bible doesn't condemn all drinking of all alcohol for Christians, the Bible does condemn drunkenness, okay, which is abusing alcohol, drinking too much to where you're no longer in charge of your faculties. And that's what the Bible condemns. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul brings up drunkards. Uh, that's that's the biblical name for someone who abuses alcohol. Uh, you know, Psychology Today calls them alcoholics. The Bible calls them drunkards. Now, alcoholic, you know, alcoholic, that, that's a more cleaned up version. <laughs> Drunkard is exactly what that person is that abuses alcohol. So in both of those passages, Paul says this, that those who practice that, who practice drunkenness, who get drunk regularly, he says they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a matter of eternity. This is a matter of, hey, this is a sin that if you indulge in and you practice, it's one of the things that will cause you to not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a very serious thing. Now, when it comes to this issue of should I drink or should I not? Well, back in the Old Testament, number one, 
the priests uh, and the kings were not to drink alcohol. In fact, if you remember Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, God struck them dead in the tabernacle for offering fa- uh, for offering strange fire. And if you read the rest of that passage in Numbers 10, it actually gives us the idea that they were drunk when they did that. So God judged that. And then when you come to the New Testament, as Pastor Mike said earlier, church leaders are not to partake in wine. Uh, pastors, um, those who oversee a church and, and deacons and elders, they're to not, they're to abstain from it. Uh, so that, that's the parameters that you see. And Paul said this to the Corinthians. Paul said, as a Christian, all things are lawful for me. In other words, as a Christian, I'm free. I can do what I want. He says, but not all things are profitable. And then he said it again, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So Paul said, as a Christian, I have freedom to do what I want. I'm free. But if something has the potential to bring me under its influence and under its power, I would rather abstain for that so that I'm in charge of my faculties and I can serve the Lord with a clear, with a clear mind, you know, and that's, that's really kind of where the Bible stands on this issue. And I would say this too, for any person who's a, who's a Christian now, if you had trouble with alcohol in the past, I would say abstain from it completely. And if, if, if you want, you know, if you're serving the Lord, maybe at church as a Sunday school teacher or in some capacity where you're representing your church, I also think it's not wise to partake in alcohol uh, because because with that you don't want to give people the idea, uh, especially you know when you're a Sunday school teacher or something like that, give people the idea that you know it's okay to drink and and that may lead some people into a habit that's going to lead them to destruction. So you know we have that issue. Then you have the issue too of weak brothers and sisters, uh, those who don't drink because they have a weak conscience. Or again, they had trouble with this in their in their past life as a, as a, as a as a sinner, and so we want to be very careful. So you know, it's one of those things where we have to take the whole Bible. But when we do, really, the, the overarching uh, theme you see in Scripture is you know, if you do drink, be very careful, and it's better if you don't. So I think that's how the Bible kind of sums it up, Mike. Yeah, you'll never be an alcoholic if you never start drinking in the Amen. first place. Amen. <laughs> uh, but again, right. uh, for ministers, it's very clear in the scripture that yes. uh, you're not to drink. So uh, this is found in Timothy. So hope that helps, Dave. Well, just uh, it does, and I agree, but I, I still don't understand the emphasis on the vineyard production that you see so much in the Bible and why. Okay, well, let me explain that for you. The water in those days was very, very poor. Uh, dysentery was common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, when the alcohol in the, in the, uh, fermentation process killed the microbes. And so the alcohol content of their wine, um, uh, was much less than it is usually in the bottled product that we can find in the stores here. But there was enough alcohol in it that it killed, uh, it killed the, the the bugs and stuff. And that's why you find that. That's why they would have wineskins um, uh, and, and put their wine in that for drinking purposes. You didn't just come to water someplace and start drinking. They didn't do that crossing, um, uh, migrating to the West in the United States. In fact, there's old stories where they would take a silver dollar. If they found water out in the desert, they would throw a silver dollar 
into the into the uh get a cup of water and put the silver dollar in it and the silver oxides would then kill the microbes and the bacteria and it's still used that way today many countries around the world have these filters that are filled with silver plated silver plated uh ceramic beads and the water flows over the beads picks up the silver content and kills the microbes. Well, they didn't have that back uh, in the time of Jesus and before. And so they would then use uh, alcohol to to uh, to kill that. A low level of alcohol uh, doesn't get you tipsy or, or uh, you know, all. But the thing is, it would kill that, and it was certainly better than dysentery. And so hope that helps, Dave. Yep, sure does. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for the show. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of with some some uh, uh, God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, Time to Grow. Let's go to Debbie. Silverdale, Washington, I will. Hello. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for calling back. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, well, I, my husband and I were talking about Ezekiel 38, and um, we're talking about the Russia, you know, uh, Gog, Magog coming down from the north and with this vast army on horses. And we're wondering, uh, you know, is that just a a symbolic representation of, you know, like tanks and things? Or is it a really, um, really horses? You know, do they have enough people to be that huge army? And do they have enough horses to do that kind of thing? Well, in the Bible, you know, uh, Ezekiel did the best that he could to describe what he saw. As an example, where it talks about the bow and the the arrows, the actual word in the Greek is launcher uh, and piercers is the actual word in the original Hebrew. And I think that's important. Now, when we come to this verse that you're asking about, verse 15, uh, many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, mighty army. The word here in the Hebrew uh, is literally the word leaper. So it is what uh, it could be uh, a bird type or a chariot rider. Uh, this would also fall into it. And um, it is interesting today that um, Israel calls their tanks chariots. Um, even today, that's their that's their code name for their tanks, is chariot. And this word leaper uh, means uh, a, a chariot, a chariot, uh, a rider or driver. So when we go into the original language, it expands it a little bit for us. And I'm certainly sure that Ezekiel may have had some difficulty explaining what uh, God had revealed to him. Your thoughts? Yeah, and Debbie, here's what's very interesting, too, that that's, that a lot of people aren't aware of. Uh, because when they look and they see, you know, horses being mentioned there about a battle in the future, and they're like, well, we don't use horses anymore in our military. Actually, that's not true. Um, in Ukraine, the media outlets in Ukraine reported, and you go to the internet and you can read these these uh, articles. The Russians use horses, and they use them now in the Ukraine 
And what they're using them for right now in the Ukraine in the battle is to be able to get supplies into places that are very difficult on the front lines of the battle. And so what's interesting, if you go back to Ezekiel 38, you will see that a lot of this battle and how the enemy is going to come in, it mentions the mountains of Israel. There's three different times, if I'm not mistaken, that in Ezekiel 38, it brings up that a lot of this is going to happen in the mountains. And how is Russia going to come from the north and come through Israel through the mountains? Horses would be able to do that. And so there is a possibility, okay? And I'm not saying this is the what's going to be, you know what I'm saying? It probably, but, probably is. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is possible. And yeah, some armies still have horses today. So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Mike? Yeah. So I hope that answers it for you. So whether it's literal horses mm-hmm. or the more broad term in the Hebrew, mm-hmm. uh, um, we know they're coming and they're coming to take a spoil, as it says in Ezekiel chapter yeah. 38. Hope that helps. Yes, that's great. Thank you. Debbie, stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Lou, California. Hi, welcome. Hey, thank you guys so much for taking my call, and thank you for everything you guys do, first of all. Um, this this is a, a scary question. I'm very scared to ask it, but I, when Jesus, um, when he died, he got he was hung by his own people. The Pharisees were crooked. They were, you know, they were the government at the time. Um, Pharisees and everything like that. With the time that's going on right now, and the more that I keep watching TV, and you're not supposed to watch TV or anything, but what's going on over there and Hamas sneaking over and all that, it, is, do you feel that there's a possibility that there's some crookedness in Israel at the same time? And Well, whenever you have people, you have you do find crookedness. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think anybody, any group of people is exempt from that. But I don't see Israel doing what Hamas did to Israel on a surprise attack. Now you got to remember, they're all the, uh, the 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 crooked American news broadcast companies. There's a few that are exception. OAN, which I really like. I like Newsmax. Um, there's a few others there that are good. Um, but you got to be careful of any of the alphabet networks. They have very, very distorted news. They leave out very key facts. Um, if it's a story that indicts a Democrat, they will not cover it. It is interesting. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. What happened to the cocaine in the White House story? Well, interestingly enough, their papers did come out on that. However, however, the mo- most of the network media didn't cover or talk about it. Why? Well, there was about 23 pages that were pulled out of the report by the White House, so we really wouldn't know what's going on. So it's better just to not tell anybody, and maybe the story will just go away. Well, these are the problems that we continually see, and we see this right now there in uh, Gaza, talking about the hospitals and the babies. Listen, there are casualties to war. That's just the way it works. Whether it was the Philippines when the Japanese came in and slaughtered Filipinos, or whether, or whether it it, it uh, uh, is is the retaliation of Israel against Gaza, war has consequences, and Hamas didn't care what the consequences were going to be to the Palestinian people. They're murdering thugs is all they are. They cut the heads off of babies. 
you know, maybe they found a warrior that would be equal to them, evidently. But when you realize that these people were carrying away, I watched the videos of them carrying away teenage girls as hostages. Ooh, big warriors. Ooh. Well, that's what they are. And they didn't care about the consequences to their people, which Gaza elected as their, as their governance. There's consequences to voting, which unfortunately all of America is weeping the tyranny from the last election here in America, but they're weeping the, the reaping the tyranny of voting Hamas in as their government. Now, friends, we have to understand you start a war. There's going to be consequences. My heart breaks for any baby that dies. My heart breaks for anyone dies because all these people, anybody in the Gaza can be born again. They can all be saved. Israel's not really what I would call in any way a Christian nation. In fact, many ways, they're very anti-Christian. But the thing is, God had a promise to them. And though Israel did not and has not yet kept their promise to God, God is faithful and kept his promise to them. Now, I believe that what we're seeing right now is the direct result of when you start a war, this is the result. So people say, well, then maybe we shouldn't support Israel anymore. Why? They didn't start the war. They're just making sure Hamas doesn't come back. And as Bibi Netanyahu said, if you're Hamas, you're a walking dead man. Because they're not going to tolerate it anymore. They're done. And I can't blame them. And whatever it takes and whatever support any country can give them, the only real democracy in the Middle East the, 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 that has any element of fairness, uh, not Islam. See, people don't understand Islam is not just another religion. When you read the Quran and you listen to the mullahs, it is global domination. This is the absolute failure of the Democratic Party and the Biden administration, AOC and the rest, that when we bring them in here to our nation, they're not here, friends, to assimilate. No way, no shape, no how. They're here to overthrow us. Why? Because that's what the Quran teaches. Global dominance. Britain had such a bad problem with Muslims and battling with them that they finally realized they couldn't win them militarily. But when they fought them, what they would do is when they killed a Muslim, they would wrap them in pigskin and bury them, thereby denying that Muslim fighter of eternity. This is the way, finally, Britain stopped the Muslims in their wars that they would have in uh, all the territorial uh, um, providences that England controlled. When we understand we're not dealing with people who believe in turn the other cheek, love thy neighbor, bless those that bless thee, what you find here in this group of people is global dominance. When they say mountains to the sea, they're not saying, oh, we want a Palestinian state. They're saying scrape Israel off into the Mediterranean. That's what, what, what they're saying. But, oh, no, not our American news media. They can't tell a story straight if they have to. Remember, 
Palestinians are not a race of people. The Jews are. You'll never find Palestinian money uh, uh, from ancient times. Oh, you'll find Philistine money, but the Philistines are not descendants of the Palestinians. Palestinians primarily are Arabs, but anybody living in the area of Palestine when Israel became a state in 1948 was a Palestinian. There are Jewish Palestinians, American Palestinians, Chinese Palestinians, Arab Palestinians. So no one really gave this group the right to say they're the only Palestinians. So they're not a race of people. They're just people who lived in the area of different ethnicities and backgrounds. And the other thing we have to remember is when you hear again about the occupied territories, that they're mad about the occupied territories. And this is what gives Gaza and the other Arab world the right to attack Israel. Friends, we need to study history. This is something that uh, Cambridge and uh, some of these other great intellectual buckets they call colleges do not teach their students. In 1967, the Arab neighbors started a war against Israel. They surprise attacked them, and Israel in seven days destroyed all of them. Israel could have owned Jordan, Egypt, Libya, uh, Syria, uh, all those neighboring countries, Jordan, all of them, but they didn't. They gave their countries back to them, but they retained the West Bank and they retained the Golan Heights because it's on northern Israel, perfect site to lob missiles down on the farmers below. They kept these for their own defense. They call them occupied territories, but they're not. They were one with Israeli blood in a war that the Arabs lost. Somebody needs to explain to these colleges and, and these countries in the Middle East, when you start a war and you lose, there are consequences. Okay. And when you start a war with Israel by cutting babies' heads off, breaching a wall and a treaty, friends, there's consequences. I'm sorry about the children that die. I'm sorry about the children that died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It breaks my heart. But I'm also sorry about all the Americans who were surprised the attack here in another couple of weeks on December 7th, 1941, when their dads were never going to come home to them. You see, there's consequences to war. And this is something that our American rotten news media, and I cannot emphasize that enough. They're totally dishonest. Will not tell people where this occupied territory came from. They won it in a war when they were attacked. But, oh, it looks like the world, that they're just a bunch of thugs that just took over some land. No, that is not what happened. And you see, colleges, if you're going to rewrite history, make sure the people who witnessed it firsthand are dead. Otherwise, they're going to call you a liar like I'm calling you. When you're calling it occupied territory, when it was really land won in a war that Israel didn't start to protect their borders. Hope that helps. Lou, hope that helps. Oh, yeah. Th no, thank you. I, I Again, I, I totally believe Jesus. I believe our land, everything. I just was very easy for them to walk over the way they did. And that was just my question. And again, I put in. Thank you so much. No, you got to stop. You got to stop them. They're, they'll just come right back. Um, 
they're, they're, uh, you know, they're not going to stop. And whether it's, it's Hezbollah or Hamas or uh, the Taliban, these people now listen, listen, everybody, they're here in America. They're going to do what they did there. Just give it a little bit more time. Our, our, our intelligence of the United States, what we can trust said that they will attack us within our own borders. So yeah, it's coming. Be aware of it and be mindful. Again, Jesus said, when you begin to see these things globally happen, look up your redemption draws nigh. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. And we're going to go to Nick. We're almost out of time. Hi, Nick. How can we help? Hi, uh, Pastor Mike. Hey, um, I just wanted to maybe follow up on something that I heard you say last week on your show uh, regarding heaven and hell. Um, And just so you know, I'm a believer. I've been in a worship team for probably 20 years, and I I enjoy doing it. But what kind of struck me dumb was when you had said that the people that are going to heaven— Basically, it's going to be a ongoing worship service, and the well, people not, who don't want to be no, in no. heaven, or the, the people that don't want to be in heaven, are going basically be thrown into the lake of fire. And I just wanted to follow up on that because maybe I misunderstood. Well, no, uh, that's one of the things we'll be doing. That's not the only thing. The Bible says throughout all of eternity, God's going to show us His greatness. But my point was this, if you don't want to be around Christians now, no matter what you call yourself, Christian, backslidden Christian, uh, believer, make-believer, whatever, you you enter it there. If you want to be around Christians and knew God's will here on this earth, why would you want to do it forever in heaven? What do you think heaven is? The, again, this idea that heaven's an everlasting kager. Well, no. If you read the Bible, there's there's numerous, like dozens of passages about the saints in heaven being around the throne. Uh, you have Revelation seven eleven. the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the living creatures, uh, and they were worshiping God. And they, it says uh, other places, they were singing uh, Revelation 4 and 5. They were standing before the throne uh, who's redeemed us from every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. If you don't want to do that here on this earth, why would you want to do it forever in heaven? The second thing is, when a person dies outside of Christ, they go to Sheol, awaiting the great white throne judgment, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when all their works come to full fruition. Again, just because a person dies, it's evil, doesn't stop the evil stuff that they started in into motion. And so they're going to pay a price. That's why today is the appointed day of salvation. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nice. Nick, stay in line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Lisa and Javier, please call us back tomorrow. We'll put you on first thing. Scott, thank you so much for being on. You got it, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a blessing to be with you. So until then, again, keep looking for the upper tinker. God bless you. Good night. copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. 
To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 